Looking for your next holiday? Maybe a long weekend with your mates? Or really need to get to the next game? Then it's time to What If It. What If has great deals on accommodation, flights, car hire and more. Plus, because they're the official travel partner of the South Sydney Rabbitohs, you can head to whatif.com.au forward slash Rabbitohs and use the promo code Rabbitohs15 to save 15% on selected hotels. Conditions apply. What if? It's Aussie for travel. They have a nervous set of six defence. Try and stop the Rabbitohs. It goes down to Sutton. He gives it to Taylor, who brings it back and gives it to McQueen. They're away. Merritt's there again. Here he is. Merritt. Merritt links up with Luke. Luke for the line. Keeps it alive. Reynolds. Reynolds. You can take me down. I have seen it all. I have seen everything. The Rabbitohs have returned the favour. And there is a new chapter in the Book of Feuds. Rabbitohs Radio Podcast. Grant Chapel, Steve Maven, Darren Brown. <laughs> Chaps is red hot here, so my phone was running hot there for a while. But Could you catch him? Well, only if I got a bit of a start. <laughs> it's great for rugby league, but more importantly, it's great for the mighty Rabbitohs. Welcome to another edition of Rabbitohs Radio. My name is Grant Chapel, joined by two former Rabbitohs. Darren Brown, Steve Maven. What's on, boys? Hello, chaps. Hello, Brownie. G'day, boys. How are we all? Yeah, fantastic. A nice cold uh, winter's night here, boys. We're, we're huddled up in the Botany Studios. We've come straight back from Malabar, Junior's group of clubs, and we've had a win over the Sharks, boys. Yeah, it was a great win. Uh, we'll talk about it a little bit more later in the show. But, yeah, a great night up there. Had by all. Beautiful night, and you've gone off a bit early on the winter, chaps. It's still only May, but it is a bit fresh here in the Botany Studio. But, yeah, good night up there. We got the chocolates. They fell asleep a bit in the second half, but we'll talk about that in a moment. What's on the show, chaps? We'll recap that big win over the Sharks up there at Magic Round, where we uh, watched it in front of a packed house at the Juniors Malabar. We chat with Reg Richardson AM. He is an absolute legend. He's a custodian of the club. We'll get to that later, and it's a great chat, man, Mavo. Had with him, and our remembering a rabbit of this week is the big 150 kilo plus Coltrane. Who had all the skill in the world, and I can't wait to go through him. And also, we preview that big clash up there at Apex Oval in Dubbo, 2 p.m. next Sunday, boys. A young bloke from Redfern. You grew up hating the Roosters. It's a special one, isn't it? Oh, couldn't have asked for a better finish, son. The boys really dug deep in the end, and uh, that was a great win by the boys. That's three wins in a row. Why the success? What's changed at South Sydney? Just sticking to our game plan. Um, doing all the one percenters and sticking to our structure. We've got belief in our structure that Madge has put there, and um, I think if we keep continuing, we can improve as a group. All right, boys, we're going to do a little tribute to Adam Reynolds. As you know, Adam signed on with the Brisbane Broncos starting next season for three years, and... I've, I mean, I've said it many times to you blokes off air, but it's going to be hard to watch him in another jersey, isn't it, boys? 
Yeah, well, it definitely is. It's sad to see him go. There was a lot of speculation that he was going to sign with the Broncos for a couple of weeks there. And he's made that decision. He can get on with the season in hand. And, uh, look, it's going to be sad to see him go because he's been a great player and he's been a legend of the club, a premiership winning halfback. And uh, I said it tonight up at the juniors, you know, he's probably one of the best number sevens uh, to wear this uh, mighty red and green jumper. Yeah, it's a sad day. It's big news in Redfern and, this year was supposed to be the year, 2022, and now it's even more so with Renault going and Wayne Bennett's obviously going and they're talking about looking for a unit up there at Brisbane and living together. But <laughs> no, in all seriousness, we love Renault here on the show. He's been on the podcast for us. He's a Redfern boy. He bleeds red and green, South Sydney till I die, and it is a real shame to see him go. There has been a big uproar from the fans and we can understand that, but as we've explained before, there was reasons for that salary cap wise Renault's age a bit of depth in the position but we've all got some great highlights and memories of Renault yeah it's just the Broncos and some of the other clubs that were in negotiations with Renault could offer something that we couldn't and that was security a long term deal it was after that three year deal and unfortunately you know we weren't in a position to do that he's got the young family yeah four kids um, you know he set themselves up there for a long time up there in Brisbane. They might stay up there. Who knows? They might love the, mm. the Sunshine State. Plenty of people have gone up there and not come back, boys. Well, we heard there might be some more incentives in the deal other than the three years of playing. There might be some coaching in that. But that hasn't been announced, so we're only speculating on that. But, yeah, chaps, you've got an early memory of Renault that I think it's a good one. Yeah, and I just spoke about that up at um, the Juniors Malabar there. It was this is the moment I knew we had something special and, and, and we'd filled that position which was actually a bit of a troublesome position for us through the late 90s and, and through those 2000s I know we had Joey Williams and Tricky Trindle some good little players and Chrissy Sander but they really never nailed it down for a long period of time but uh, I think it was Tugger real... the great Tugger oh Tugger was yeah. well since Tugger I'm talking about yeah Tugger was um, you know he will go down as one of the top two or three halfbacks in our club don't worry about that anyway we were down about we'd won one game out of the first four and we were down by 12 points, we were about five and a half to go against the Tigers out there at Sydney Football Stadium. They had their Magpies jersey, I remember the day. And I think Jason Clark did a nice hit up under the sticks and played the ball super quick. And As he does. As he does. He, he was he, The 1% percenters were big on Jason Clark's tip sheet. And Isaac Luke scored it from dummy half under the post. Bang, Reno knocked it over. And then we got a strip penalty on tackle two or three. And we marched all the way up there. And Dave Taylor drifts across the field. Puts in a grubber for um, Andrew Everingham to box out um, Mac, Mac King uh, from memory. Scored. And then Renault. It was all on Renault's shoulders then. It was 16-14. Only a couple of minutes to go. And he had to steer this one through the post to put us into extra time. And, and, and that's exactly what he did. Straight down the pipe. Straight over the black dot. And then we ended up winning in um, Golden Point. I think it was a bit of a strange old field goal from... Uh, Greg Inglis, bit of a worm burner, hit, hit the upright, hit the crossbar, and went over. But uh, the rest is history. And from from that day on, he was he was something really, really special, boys. Well, he's done that many, many a times before, and we're looking forward to watching him do it again throughout the year. And Mavo, you got a special moment as well. Well, just before we move on, he did it tonight. We all expected him to be on tonight, and he was on from the sideline, knocking him over. I don't think he missed one from memory, mm. no. and this is why. 
we are winning all these games and we've been winning all these games in his 10 seasons. But I've got two memories and I've said it before too, but I'm going to say it again. Uh, we were attacking and GI threw a ball and Sandow, at, it was at the Eels by this stage. It took the intercept, ran the length of the field and he's smiling, thinks he's going to score and here comes Renault chasing him down, chasing him down. And Renault actually caught him and took him out. And it was at that moment that I realised that we've got this young star that might be a bit of all right. Because up until then, we'd lost Sandow. We're thinking, well, what are we going to do? He showed plenty of speed to run him down, didn't he? He did. He did. So he didn't quicksand little Chrissy at yeah. the end there. <laughs> yeah, so that was, that was an amazing moment. And then my other favourite one, which I'm sure you'll all remember, is at the Sydney Football Stadium in 2012 when we were gone against the Evil Empire, against the Chooks. We're down by two tries then. Under two minutes to go. Under two minutes to go. The great Nathan Merritt scored a late try. There was a minute to go when Braithen Astor in his 250th game for the Roosters kicked off and the ball went to, I'll take you right through it, the ball went to Sato and he passed it to the Coltrane, Dave Taylor, who looked up and said, oh, there's no winger. Mm. So he runs and just draws and passes, puts Chris McQueenslander down the sideline, <laughs> who looks inside, <laughs> finds the great Nathan Merritt of all. Always He's in the clear. Up. He's away. And then Nath looks for... Johnny on the spot again. Isaac Luke, who's always used to back up. What a player. And then Isaac gets tackled, throws the ball back. It's a rolling ball. And who scoops it up? Our boy, Adam Reynolds, to score right next to the post. And it was that famous moment when Warren Smith said, you can take me now. I've seen it all. Oh, yeah. And that was a great day. Merritt for the line. Gives it to Luke. Here he is. (laughs) Yeah. And then I was in the box at the Sydney Football Stadium. And they were giving it to and I was with a few Rooster supporters, good mates of ours, and they were giving it to us. And then just to see that tide turn, and that, that's a moment I'll never forget. Yeah, well, look, there's been so many great memories from Adam, but uh, I just love watching him play week in, week out, and what he brings to the team. He's obviously the, the skipper and the leader of this great club, and he plays with a lot of composure and calmness about him. He, he doesn't get excited. He doesn't get flustered, and that's what Wayne loves about him. Um, the calmness about him and, you know, builds pressure with his great kicking game. Uh, even tonight, like a couple of repeat sets in, in that first half, builds pressure and, and obviously he makes players around him play better just because of the way he plays. He's not one of them fancy halfbacks that'll go out and, you know, run 300 metres and set up, you know, 10 or 12 tries, but he just got that calmness about him and uh, he's just... You know, I just love the way he plays. He's great. a great, great game manager, he isn't is, he? he? And is. it's no surprise that his 10 years at Redfern, at the Rabbitohs, we've ascended to a top four team just about every year. And he's a premiership winning player. And he's going to leave a massive hole in this club. And so where do we go from here next year, boys? Well, look, we're the, that's the reason why South, you know, went down the road that they did. They stuck solid to their guns uh, uh, of their offer and... Uh, they've got some young kids in the waiting, uh, Lachlan Nilius, and we spoke about them before on the show, Blake Taff, young Dean Hawkins, who got a, an opportunity last week, and they've got high hopes for these young boys, and uh, you know they're going to put all their eggs in one basket, and hopefully um, you know Cody Walker can nurture them through, and you know, it could be Benji Marshall uh, might sign Benji for another year as well. Maybe, and we spoke about it, chaps. It creates an opportunity for one of these young guys, and as long as one of them can fill the, the void adequately, we've still got this star-studded lineup that can still be a top-four team. And who knows? One of these guys might become a star that we didn't know that Renault was going to be back in the day. So 
Anyway, we'll move on to our Rabbitohs TV video. And we actually spoke about Renault in that. And if you haven't seen that, we're going to share it on the episode webpage. So we've made a bit more progress. We've got some new lights in the studio and we're still tweaking the sound. And But we'll get it right and we'll be producing more video content for you. So please subscribe to our YouTube channel because we want to get to 1,000 subscribers. And you telling people and sharing our videos will help us get there. Uh, just quickly on the lighting, we had a young guy called Eddie, local botany guy who come around and he's studied lighting at university and he came in and he pointed out a few things and then I went to High Pop at Alexandria and a bloke in there by the name of Brian, we were going to buy some mid-priced lighting and he said, well, if you want to shoot professional video, you need these lights that are going to illuminate the room properly. We've gone and done that and so hopefully now, once we sort our sound and some technical issues with streaming and file sizes and all that, we'll be on top of that all. We'll be able to bring it to you, the podcast, visually. Visually. To all the fans out there. That's, That's it. it. Any big announcements, we'll, we'll jump on and do little little Rabbitohs TV editions, whether it's 10, 15 minutes or 5 minutes or whatever, whatever it happens to be. And uh, we'll certainly look forward to bringing that right into your lounge rooms there, guys. Yeah, a bit like our mate Nathan, the rugby league guru does. He's on all the time. He's probably on a bit more than we will get on, but yeah, it's good to be able to share some video content. So does, can, does a good job, no? He does. All right, boys, we're going to recap that win over the Sharks, thirty-two points to twenty-two. It was a bit of a topsy-turvy game, but I think I think we started well, and we hadn't done that for a while, boys. It's been four or five rounds since we started well. We were able to build a lot of pressure up their end of the field, get a couple of repeat sets. And sort of exploit that Chad Townsend a little bit. We've seen that we pick on him a little bit. Benji skipped across, short ball. So Keon Kalamatangi hit him hit him in the ear, but he was good enough to catch it. <laughs> had he had an earring on, I reckon it might have popped out of his out of his grasp, but he was good enough to catch it and, and dive over and, and only a, a, not too far after that, we've gone down that side again. Benji's throwing one of those classic Benji balls. It was nearly gonna go in a row four, but Ali Johnson went up and grabbed it and had a bit to do and, and Got himself over the line, and we're, we're sort of on our way then, boys, weren't we? Yeah, yeah. Outstanding try there by Alex Johnson. I don't think too many wingers would have scored that, nah. especially to jump high, and then he had to show explosive speed to get to the line as well. And that's one of the reasons why the coaching staff have left AJ on the wing. There's a big call for him to play fullback. Um, I was under the impression that I'd rather see Cody back there and leave AJ on the wing for that reason. And what about Keon's try before we move on from that? He's becoming a dangerous weapon on that edge there. And, you know, he's one of my favourite players. And as he develops, as he is, he's only going to get better and better. And he had a huge know, first half, didn't he? He, had he really did. Yep. yep. And his defensive efforts are good. I think he made more than 30 tackles. So mm. he's putting in for this team. And, yeah, we... He played real aggressively, didn't he? In that, yeah, in that first, real leg yeah, drive. First if they stint. met him at the line, he'd, he'd keep the legs pumping and, and get those uh, post-contact metres up. And a big congratulations to him was his first try yeah. of the year. Yep, it so. was. So, so we were all over them, and there was a controversial moment when a high tackle from the Sharks player went on report, but there was no sin bin, and everyone's going, oh, hang on a minute. The new rule is you go to the sin bin. It was clear in contact. Well, that was on Keon. To Keon's head. Yeah, because Keon ran off and didn't milk it. They, mm. they let it go, didn't they? Let it go. Yeah, and then later on in the game, Jaden Sewer does a similar thing. And he goes to the bin. So how's their consistency in that? But look, we're going to talk about it a bit later in NRL news. Wayne Bennett's got a big opinion on this, that we need to protect the head of the players. So look, 
if that's going to be the new way, then but at least be consistent. That, if that guy should have went to the sin bin because when Jaden did that, it gave them a huge opportunity and the team hung in there. We nearly held them out well, we for the whole. We scored a try. With 12 men, yeah. uh, sort of um, from inside our own end, wouldn't it? Mm. Describe that try, Brownie. Yeah, well, I think it was Cody Walker just gave a, a Dane Gagai an early ball who pushed off his centre counterpart and made made a break and Cody obviously supported on the inside. So basically the try come from nothing. It was just a good work from Cody giving an early ball to Dane Gagai who showed strength to to push his opposite number off and, and marched downfield and, and linked up with Cody supporting inside and Cody was under the post. So. One of the best support players in the game, surely. Uh, Cherry Evans and Cody Walker, there's not too many better than them too. No, Cody had a blinder. And at one stage, the Sharks had leaked 68 points to nil in two games. But then they got that consolation try when we had 12 men on the field. But the team did well to hang in there. And all our guns sort of fired and we, we sort of got it right. We held the ball and it was looking like we we're going to run away with it. Then the second half comes and it's a complete turnaround. We were flat. Well, they dominated possession, didn't they? And, and field position and, and that and it sort of told a little bit there at the end. Mm, mm. You know, we were sort of... They were running us out. around. We are looking a little bit loose in defence. We were falling off tackles. They were offloading. All the offloads. They were making yards. You mm. know who killed us a little bit? That... Braden Trindle. Tricky Trindle, yeah. yeah. Trickster. The trickster, yeah. 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 Um, he, he's got a bit of, bit of game about him. I think yeah. he's got a... Maybe grab a bit more game time um, through mm. Josh Hanna going forward. Yeah, he's mm. very elusive. Plays a little bit like the a la Daryl Trindle yeah. from the Mighty Rabbitohs many years ago. But, yeah, just uh, he did trouble us, chaps. And uh, once they got on a bit of a roll, mm. it, it was hard to stop. They had momentum. and Their fullback's a good player too. Yeah, Bar- Barbara Kennedy, that. I think yeah. he, yeah. He, something I like about him. He put a couple yeah. of nice kicks in and he sort of runs between defenders quite well. Well, they looked dangerous. Yeah, Moylan lifted too. The whole team lifted. And once they got momentum, it looked like we were going to get run down. Mm. They came to within a try. And then, in a brilliant moment, our man Jai Arrow scored a try. Mm. Monstered his way over and scored his first try in the red and green. It was his first try for two years. Mm. And what a try it was. Yeah. And he was probably one of the best players on the field. Our man Scott Singles was at the game, on his feet, cheering, calling, <laughs> hands, get him off. More than once. Yeah, he was boisterous, wasn't he? But he was... i tell you what, he, he, had, he, he gave it to Fafuda, didn't he? He did. He said, you should get 10 in the bin for that haircut, Fafuda. <laughs> he did. I like that bit. And he should have, because it was dreadful. But, yeah, Joy Arrow, Scotty had him as his best player in the field. Hard to argue. Comes off the bench and gives us that production. He's that X factor that we're getting off the bench. He ran for all these metres. footwork. The well, what it was, it was just a simple um, handoff underneath, underneath. From, from, from Cookie. Yeah. He beat his man with a bit of footwork and then surged at the line and, and had the mm. audacity to just reach out and score. So yeah, in the second well half, done, Triara. Yeah, definitely. And in the second half, we didn't have many opportunities. Mm. But when we got down there, we took them and, and that was the fortune. It was only at the back end of the game that we had them opportunities. And, you know, we've had enough points up our sleeve just to get home, boys. And, and then right. the Cody one where he was like a thief in the night just sort oh, of yeah. came up. with It was like a magic, it was a, it was a magic uh, act on... Uh, Magic he just, round. He just yeah. said, give it here. And he scored, you know. He's like took the ball off him, didn't he? He did. Tatola just held it out there and said, take it. Mm. And, yeah, it's just I, like a pass me on. I thought Junior was good too. You just mentioned him. and He's yeah. uh threw a nice ball to Tom Burgess. Put him, nearly put him through the hole in the first half. So Yeah, Junior yeah. was, uh, I think his first spell was really good, Junior. Mm. And we, we need him to get back to his best um, if we're going to. Um, really give this competition a shake. And there was a nice moment at the end of the game. We were, we were sort of saying goodbye to everyone. And 
Adam Reynolds did an interview on Fox with with Charlie Rabbit. Charlie Rabbit, you know? yeah. yeah, I did, and, and, and I filmed, and I filmed that. Real hugging him, and yeah, that was. That well, was and I'm going to share that on the episode webpage. And we didn't mention our man Damien Cook. What a player! Fifty tackles. Fifty tackles. He's getting back. A couple to of his real best. dart and runs, and and he serves from dummy half, getting the ball right out in front of the likes of Benji, and that made it. Um, and you know what, Benji Marshall, obviously, you know, teams are going to target him because they defensively is mm. a he's a bit iffy. 20 tackles tonight, Benji, so he, he had yep. a bit of work to do and he was up yep. to the task most of the time. Yep. Yeah. Look, the boys, the good thing is uh, we're still winning without some of our great players. Cameron Murray still to come back. Mm. Latrell Mitchell, Josh Mantor, Campbell, Campbell Graham. Campbell so Graham. we're still winning games without our full complement and uh, hopefully we'll start to get them back next week. And well done to those um, depth players like I know we've mentioned Braden Burns, Tane Milne, like, Tane just Milne. starting to, you know, th- th- those guys are putting their hand up. Like great debut from Tane. I mean, I, I don't know if Josh Mansell just walks straight back into it after Tane's performance tonight. He's going to give him a few selection headaches there. Had a yeah. few good carries. Yeah, and, and he was good under the high ball. Yeah, yeah. and he ran for, I think, 122 meters on debut. Didn't let anyone down, and he looked impressive. So yeah. came up with a couple of good tackles too. Yeah, yeah, so. he made some decisions to come in and, and, and was the right one most of the time, yeah. Another outside back, boys, Braden Burns. I thought he was really strong mm-hmm. in the first half. Oh. Had some real good carries, got us out of trouble a couple of times with his good runs and yeah. quick play the balls. And he did a great tackle early on, came out of the line. and Made a good decision. Yeah, yeah. made the great decision. to. He was playing right centre, which him. is not familiar to him. He's always been left centre and we need a sort of... He's, he's very similar body shape to... The beanpole, Campbell Graham, isn't he? Like, maybe not as tall, but he's sort of in that mould and he, he filled in nicely. So this is good. We've got some guys that are putting pressure on the other guys coming back in and it's healthy. And that means if someone goes down, another guy can come in and we know that we've got confidence that they can get the job done. All right, boys, we'll, we'll leave that one behind. We'll move on to it. But I want to get to an interview me and Mavo recorded um, a, a 24 hours earlier. It was, uh, Brownie was up at a wedding in the Hunter Valley. We won't go there, Brownie. We'll leave you on that one. But it's a bloke I wanted to get on the show for a while. He seems to be any function we go to, he's there. And I sort of didn't know have a lot about him. And I think um, Shannon tipped me on to him um, there. They said he, he's raised $100 million for charity. And he's a really interesting character. And you'll hear a little bit more about him. And I'm glad I'm glad we got him in, eh, Mover? Well, mate, I was wondering why you were sort of pushing to get Reggie on. And now that I've spoken to him and met him... I can see why, because it's a great chat. So, so we hope you enjoy our chat with Reg Richardson, AM. Okay, Rabbitohs Radio listeners, we've got one of the most passionate fans you'll ever meet of this mighty South Sydney Rabbitohs club. Reg Richardson, welcome to Rabbitohs Radio, mate. Thanks, chap. Good to be here. No worries, mate. Now, where are you from and what was it like growing up there? Actually, I was uh, brought up in Woolloomooloo. Uh, by my grandmother and uh, from an early age and uh, I went to school at Morris Brothers Darlinghurst which wasn't far away and uh, everyone there followed the Rabbitohs because uh, most of the boys came from like me in the city or uh, Maroubra and places like that and Clive Churchill was playing then so he was not only a Rabbitohs superstar but he was also captain of Australia and ironically, while he was captain of Australia, he wasn't captain of the Rabbitohs. Jack Rayner was the captain. And Jack Rayner also played for Australia at the same time. Yeah, well, I suppose, I mean, there's two absolute legends of the club and we've done yeah. remembering Rabbitohs stories about those two blokes. Give us a few memories of 
of what sort of players those blokes were, mate? Well, uh, I remember uh, Clive. I actually remember both of them pretty well. But I remember Clive uh, once playing against Manly, and then he ran past Rex Mossop, who was, you know, became a Manly legend, and he said something to him on the way past. And later on, I asked one of the players from South, I think it was Bernie Purcell, what did Clive say to Rex Mossop when he went past? And he said, see you later, Rex. <laughs> so there you go. Rick always fancied himself as a, a fleet of foot forward, but he wasn't as fleet of foot as Clive, our Clive. Our Clive left him for dead, eh? He, he sort of revolutionised the fullback dead. position, didn't he? Uh, stories he did. about he him did. chiming into the back, uh, back line like fullback yeah, sort of didn't do that. Five he would have been a second 5'8, yeah, almost, yeah. Because most, well, actually, they had a pretty good 5'8 too, Ray Hayrick. And he was pretty, uh, pretty smart guy, but and Clive used to chime in uh, next to him and create the gap in the centre and all that sort of thing. And it was a bit of a case of see you later, alligator for the opposing centre once Clive got the ball. He was just so pretty quick. He was only a small bloke too. He wouldn't have weighed. Uh, he wouldn't have weighed seventy k, uh, which is eleven stone. Then uh, he would have been more like ten seven, which would probably be about sixty eight k. Wow. He was a ferocious yeah. defender too, um, from what he I was read. A t- yeah, a tough tackler. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, pretty good tackler. They wouldn't get past him too easily. And what about Jack Rayner, mate? Not many people. Well, I like Jack. I, I like Jack because he was a big, uh, big, tough-looking guy, uh, and he was a, he was a cop, a policeman as well, and he was a straight shooter. You know, of the, the old school cop. Because uh, I met him later in life. He used to be the. Uh, race course detective or something like that out at Rose Hill race course and then he'd often go there with his wife Molly and, uh, and uh, when he got older he got as a lot of people do he got smaller he wasn't a big fearsome bloke that he used to be in the past but he was a giant of a fellow with a very rugged sort of face broken nose and all that stuff which made him look fiercer than he probably was but he was pretty good and they had a pretty good pack then too yeah with Bernie Purcell and those sort of guys Dennis Donahue all that, yeah. So you've spent a lifetime supporting the club, and you're quite a. I have, yeah. You've, and you've raised a lot of money for charity, and we're going to touch on that in a minute. But just tell us about oh, okay. the your, your signature red and green sunnies, red and green glasses. Sorry, a long time ago, and because I've always been self-employed, I've never felt any need to answer to anyone. Like I don't have to go to the bank and say, "Would you lend me ten million or this, that, and the other?" or you know, you know, beg for assistance anywhere. So I thought, bugger this, about 30 years ago, I thought, I'll get red and green glasses. And uh, I had them made, but they were sort of a, a dark red and uh, and then a wishy-washy green. Uh, and oh, they would just look like glasses you'd pick up at Specsavers. So about 20 years ago, 18 years ago, I thought, I'll get some specially made that are more prominently south. And I designed the colours and I picked them out and I went to um, uh, a local optometrist and said, look, uh, I want these glasses and these are the colours I want. I picked you up and the colours had a name. He said, they've got to be specially made in um, in Adelaide, the place down there. And uh, he said, you'll need to buy a, a, a thousand pairs to justify the cost. I said, well, I just sold my car. So I said... Uh, Money is not a serious issue, so I only want uh, three pairs, thanks. Uh, so they came back. Like, <laughs> uh, anyway, they were a bit flabbergasted at that, but they came back 
more than the price of normal glasses, but not frighteningly more, affordably more, like most people now could afford the bloody things. Anyway, so I've got some that are the one like the ones you've seen, green on the front and red at the side, and the other ones were red at the front. When I wore the red at the front ones, a lot of people wear red glasses, and no one noticed themselves. I thought, fuck that. I'll just wear the green ones. <laughs> and uh, people now say, when they say, uh, locals say, uh, is that the guy with the, red and green, with the green and red glasses? We're they describing me, because I'm pretty well known in Mossman where I live, because I've got the car and the and the glasses, and I wear uh, red and green shoelaces. And you were painted famously in those glasses for the Archibald I was. That, that was in the Archibald Prize in 2014. I remember that well because it was a pretty good year, and then um, that was the year that South won the competition, and that was the best thing that happened, I thought, that year to me. Uh, but my portrait also was runner-up in the Archibald Prize that year, and then I thought, God, I've got to go and buy the damn thing because the artist did it and spent a lot of time on it. And when I went to the artist, she said, no, you don't. Anyway, the National Portrait Gallery in Canberra bought it. Oh. And they hung it there for quite a while, and then they put it in storage, and someone phoned me last week to say, your portrait is rehanging again, so it's up on display again down in Canberra. <laughs> oh, le- legendary. There you go. We'll share legendary. a photo of that on the episode webpage if anyone wants to scroll oh, yeah. down. But, oh, yeah. And, and, yeah, you, yeah. and you yeah. briefly touched on the car. Tell us the story behind the car and describe it for us. Oh, right. Well, a car is a little... They call it the Bunny Mobile. It was given to me as the Bunny Mobile in 2014 after we won the comp. Um, it is a Mini Cooper and it's red and green and it, the woman who gave it to me, Kay Poach, had it specially designed. She's a character. She's um, a manly supporter, unfortunately, but she's also originally from New York and very outgoing. And she had these um, rabbits specially painted on, not just transferred on, but painted on. And then she gave it to me as a surprise because she said, after all your support of the rabbits uh, over the years, um, I thought I'd give you this. Because I thought they would the grand pile, she said. Thank God they did anyway. We went over to her place. It was my birthday. And uh, and she's pretty generous. And I thought, she said, hang on a minute, I've got a present. I thought she'd give me a dozen bolts of Mallet and Shandong or something. And then uh, the gate, the front gate opens, a big steel gate, and then this guy came in driving the bunny mobile. And I actually used the old magic word. I couldn't believe it. And it was caught <laughs> on video. <laughs> I said, anyway, you know what I said. And uh, I got a total surprise. Yeah, pretty yeah, good too. We all would have said that, I think, getting that carcass. Yeah. We're, we're yeah, going right. to share a photo of that on the episode webpage. And it is, it's magnificent. Right. And also, it's a good little car. And also last year, um, Channel 9 did a promo leading to the semi-finals, I believe, and, and the car made Channel 9 as well. Yes, uh, I was asked to do that, um, yeah, by Channel 9. Uh, I can't remember the exact circumstances. They asked me what I, uh, I... I met one of the producers out there in Redfern somewhere and they asked me to drive around Redfern and then they photographed me driving and they put a, a cameraman inside the car. And uh, it was just a bit of fun, really. Yeah, well, that, we all saw that and a couple of other friends of yeah. the show, Michelle Cheney and Jeremy Muir on that. But, mate, well, just you mentioned you got that as a gift after the grand final. What are your memories yeah. of the great day in 2014 when we took our first premiership in 43 years? It was pretty fantastic, to be honest. Uh, 
it, when we were six all uh, with um, Canterbury, I actually thought, oh, we're going to win this because I just thought we were, we were in the ascendancy, although it was uh, not reflected in the score. But I would have watched that replay 20 times. Uh, I went out uh, the other oh, My wife came out, we've got a couple of TV reefs, and uh, the other day, and I was watching, Sally said, you are not watching that grand final again. And I said, yeah, guilty, your honour. <laughs> <laughs> Unreal. Oh, oh good, you, mate. Yeah. So we'll, yeah. we'll just wind it back a bit, mate. So you said you yep. grew up in Surrey Hills, but you ended up at Broken Hill. Yes, well, I lived with my grandmother and my mother uh, and father separated um, early in my, very early in my life, and she went to live in Broken Hill, where she was born, and I was actually born. And then when I was 14, she took me back there, and uh, and I went to school for one year to the Morris Mothers up there, but I couldn't stand Broken Hill after Darlow. I mean, uh, you know, Darlow, King's Cross, and all that's pretty bloody lively. Broken Hill is a nice place to be a tourist in, you know, <laughs> passing through for two days. Now, I hope no one from Broken Hill was listening to this because <laughs> I was actually born there. And uh, I go back there once a year because I've still got friends there. And, uh, but it's not like uh, King's Cross and Woolmaloo and Darla and places like that. Yeah. And so, I'm a city slicker. I can't help it. Yeah, aren't we all? But, yeah, like you said, yeah. nice, nice place to visit. You wouldn't want to live there. So then, yeah, exactly. So then you work for Rio Tinto, one of Australia's biggest companies. Well, yes. When I, when I, I, uh, I realised when I left school, I couldn't stand the school up there, so I left at 15, although the Morris brothers said, you know, they encouraged me to stay later, and I said, no, I can't. It's just too dull at this school. I said that, and then, so they got me a job uh, with Rio Tinto, and because the, the, the guy who was uh, an accountant there, he was uh, from the local Catholic school too, a few, he was seven years ahead of me, but he knew who I was. He got me a job there in the office, and I studied accountancy there. And coincidentally, his name is John Ralph, and he ended up, just shows you how country boys can do well, he ended up the chairman of Rio Tinto, based in London. Wow. And he started off as an assistant accountant in Broken Hill. Right. And then... I never reached those dizzying heights. <laughs> oh, well, mate, we're going to get to your dizzying heights. So then you worked, <laughs> I think you worked at TNT with Greg Poach. Can you tell us about yes, him? Yes, we, we... Yeah, Okay. Greg and I shared offices next door to each other. Now, Greg and I were pretty similar types. It was an old company, TNT, then that needed shaking up. And Greg and I, he on marketing and me on finance and administration were brought in, brought in to shake the place up because they had a lot of transport hacks and so on and been there for 30 years and they needed some revving up. So we were the ones to do it, but on the way through, you know, the old guard didn't fancy it too much and they ganged up on us. And Greg and I got sacked by the CEO pretty much at the same time. Mm. So that was in 1970. And I'd, I'd just got married and Greg had just got married and we both had little, you know, a young marriage. I think I had, uh, I'd been married about a year uh, and a six-week-old daughter and stuff like that. And he was pretty much the same. So that bonded us together for the rest of our lives, you know, mm-hmm. both with no dough and a family to support and all that and a mortgage, you know, just put my house. Mm. So, so there you go. So, and then I believe Greg ended up starting Star Trek Express business and he ended up he sell- started. and he sold it for $750 million. So that's a bit of a rags to riches right. story. Is that a rags to riches story for, to be told? 
Oh, what are you picking? Yes. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> he, what I'm asking. He went to 14 different schools, you know, because his mum and dad split up too. He went to 14 different schools. And we, he used to have this trucking business, and I was just doing entrepreneurial things. And I used to see these trucks around, and I said, gee, you've got a lot of trucks. He said, yeah, but I don't own them. And he had all, uh, they were all subcontracted out, and blokes owned them, but he took a big cut. He took the, a big cut of the income and they had to pay for the trucks. Yeah, right. So smart. that was pretty smart. And then I couldn't believe it because we never talked about dough. And uh, I used to think the poor buggy was renting a place in Manly and I've got the fancy, just bought a nice house at Balmoral Beach, grease renting down at Manly. I thought, oh, God. Anyway, uh, when he sold his business, I nearly fell over, you know. I thought this has got to be a misprint, seven hundred and fifty million. <laughs> so is it true? You it ask, is it true? You asked him. You said, "What are you going to do all, with all that money?" And he said, "I'm going to give a lot of it away." And you said, "Well," and then he said, "Well, I'm going to get you to do it." He said, "You're the man yeah, to true. distribute that wealth." Yep, he said, "I've seen what you do because I'd already done some smaller things with the arts, with with different art organisations like the MCA and stuff like that." He said, "I like what you do, and you can do it for me." Wow. So there you go. And, yeah. and so then you took it upon yourself to do that, and it's been an amazing story. I think you've raised over a hundred, you know, hundred million dollars. And one of well, those charities was Melanoma, and yeah. is that is that one of the ones yeah. you, you chose? Uh, yes, I met a a guy who was a doctor, and he was a specialist in melanoma, and we got on pretty well. And uh, I said, well, and he said we've always looked for money, and I said, well, how much do you want? And he said four million, and. Uh, and I, knew, and I said, well, why don't you be fair dinker and make it 10? And he nearly fell over. I said, I'll see if I can get you 10. So I, I went and met Greg, and, you know, Greg said this story before. Uh, I went and met Greg, and I said, look, mate, uh, I want 10 million for Melanoma. He said, okay, just like that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and I thought, oh, this has got a long way to play. I hope Greg doesn't hear this. This has got a long way to play. And because he said it too quickly. So I then I went back to the guy and said, look, he's done his Professor Stretch. Went back to Professor Stretch and said, look, hang on a minute. Will you? Let me talk to the Martyr Hospital. So I spoke to the Martyr and said, uh, do you have any places, uh, real estate, uh, that I could buy and do, do something with? Uh, he said, there's a building across the road, Justinian House, you can have it for 10 million. So I went back and did some sums, uh, bought it from, anyway, bought it from, for 10. Oh, Greg gave me 40, 10 for that, and 30 for the building. So it's now called the Melanoma Institute of Australia. We formed a new company, uh, and it's owned by the Marta. Uh, we didn't care who owned it as long as we had the business up and running. There's probably 100 people work there now, all fully funded, 16 professors and all that stuff. That's amazing, and, mate. That really is amazing. Yeah. And they're doing, I and believe we'll, they're doing... We, will, we reckon we'll cure melanoma within 10 years. There'll well, be no melanoma in Australia. That's, oh, that's, that's, that's that'd be so good because it's such a big problem in Australia and we still have a lot of young people like my daughter included. She's 23 years old that right. they still aren't taking it seriously. They think tanning is no. something good. Tanning is, no. is, is dead set on the nose, isn't it? It can be fatal. It can be fatal, yeah. Mm-hmm. And one of the other... Um, causes you're passionate about is Indigenous health, mate. Tell, tell us a bit about yeah, that was, um, how that come good. about. That was, a, that was a good fun one. And after Greg, you kicked in. I said, look, you kicked in 40 million for melanoma. 
and that eventually increased to 50, I might add, because I was for another 10 to do this and that with Mel. Wow. Wow. You, got a, you, must have a way, you must have a way with words to, <laughs> to get these. <laughs> you my, have. Wife said, my wife said, you can be persuasive. I can talk my way out of things <laughs> nice. and into things. Yeah. Anyway, so yep. I said to Greg, why don't we have a crack at Indigenous health? And he said, why would we do that? And I said, we're both in the early 60s then. He said, if you and I said, if you and I were indigenous, mate, we'd be dead. He said, oh, that's a pretty good reason. Okay, we'll do that. And so that's how we got on. Simple as that. That's how we got on to that. So, yeah, you, so, it's, all, it's all about closing the gap in, in life expectancy then, isn't it? Yeah, and improving their health. Mm. Uh, because, you know, anyway, yeah, that's, that's the thing. It's what they call it, closing the gap. And then... Uh, uh, it's not as easy as just saying, let's close the gap, you know, we get money for this, money for that. Mm. Uh, Greg eventually gave me $15 million for that, but to be honest, that's a drop in the bucket. So what we did, we, we set, I set up the University of Sydney uh, Centre of Indigenous, Poach Centre of Indigenous Health, and they focus on uh, healthy kids, uh, healthy teeth and healthy hearts. So it gives them a better lifestyle, and over time it will lengthen average lives but it'll be decades and decades before they close the gap if ever to be honest but anyway we're doing that all around at a major university in every capital city which I set up uh, and I gave each one a different focus so in Melbourne uh, which is an academic university I had uh, people studying medicine and uh, and, uh, and diplomas of nursing and all that sort of stuff and in uh, West Australia University of West Australia they focus on um, uh, mental health, which is especially over there. Mm. And the really good one is at Flinders University, which is in uh, Adelaide and Darwin. We, we've already graduated 12 Aboriginal doctors there, and we've got 20 in the system. Yeah, oh, that's fantastic. That's... And, and, and the, the ones in the system, they're going to work in, in the Northern Territory. So how good is that? That's that, that is so good, mate. And we, you know, we, we try and support Indigenous issues here at Rabbitohs Radio, but and, yeah. and we've got South Cares and Alicia from South Cares does some great work, and we've got the yep. Gujaga Foundation and Kari, and there's some great organisations. But mate, that what you're doing there, that is just life changing over it, generations. Yeah, you may change. Pretty, yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, I and, try to actually connect uh, uh, the patient of Sydney Uni with uh, with South Cares. To be honest, uh, I don't know how how well it's connected, but you know they know it. They know of each other. Yep. Yeah, and mate, tell us about your love of art and your art collection. Uh, yeah, uh, well, I have a lot of art. Um, yeah, when I when I was in the yeah in the twenties, I used to like art, just like art, like anyone else. Uh, and then I had an artist friend, and he was always broke, and uh, so <laughs> I used to give him fifty quid and say, "Look, I'll take this off your hands." You know, I bought eight of his works. Uh, and they're massive and they're colourful and I hung them in my rented accommodation then and then they did look pretty spectacular but he never anyway and people then thought I was a serious art collector I was only collecting the one bloke and, uh, <laughs> and, they're, and they're only 50 quid or 50 bucks they weren't very dear mm. anyway so I did start to buy pretty serious stuff and I'm looking at some pretty good artworks as I talk to you yeah, it was a bit like a, yeah. a little Louvre at home there for you, is it? Or uh, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. I, I, I can see just sitting here where I'm, I can see it, twelve or fifteen paintings. 
mm. and sculptures as well. And there's about six sculptures. So I'm surrounded by it. And then uh, because I I do things and I get publicity when I do them, I always went to art gallery openings and I've always bought stuff. So when I opened the MCA, Museum of Contemporary Art, they asked me to join the board, mm-hmm. which I did. And then I'm not a, uh, yeah, I'm not a team player. I don't like being on boards and things. I just like to do my own thing. But that was interesting for a while. Yeah. I suppose they want, then, they want uh, you on yeah, board. <laughs> what happened there, though, is that they asked me to head up fundraising. So I thought I'll give that a go. I'd never done any public speaking. And I had to uh, speak about once a month. And I used to walk up and down George Street practicing what I was going to say. And I used to say the same thing every time, but I used to get incredibly nervous. And I did that for about a year. And then uh, after a while, I got not too bad at the public speaking and asking people for money. And I raised $5 million from the MCA. And I thought, this is something I can do well. I know how to raise money. You do. And I know how to persuade people to give money. Is and it, yeah. that was a good thing about it, yeah. Is it true you've also lent some of your artwork to hospitals in Australia by brightening their corridors? Oh, yeah, with, uh, yeah, with, uh, I have done that with, uh, with the martyr. Uh, with the martyr, I actually went, uh, that's up in North Sydney. When they, uh, yeah, I did something. I, I hung about the Melanoma Institute and part of the martyr. I got a lot of artworks for both of them. They're associated with each other. And, uh, because Greg donated all the money for the Melanoma building, I thought I'd better, uh, do something myself. So I could do it within the arts because I haven't got forty million to spend, mm. but I spent a lot of money on art to brighten up the places. So uh, I hung a lot in the Melanoma Institute and and yep. some in the Marta. So mate, we'd love to come and have a look at your art collection. But can you do us a favour and maybe take a couple of photos that we can share of what you're looking at now with a couple of your pieces at home? Yeah, I, I could do that. I, That'd be perfect. I can, yeah. And we'll share them on our website webpage so that people can see. Some of these glorious... What I'm doing, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Tell us about receiving the honour of the Order of Australia. Oh, I don't think that was a big deal. To be honest, oh, anyway, I did get that. I got that 14 years ago, um, and I got it for the arts as a supporter, benefactor, and collector of the arts. Uh, I got it, yeah, an AM for that 14 years ago. Uh, and since then, I have done other things other than the arts. Uh, so... They give you this big gold uh, thing, a big gold medal, you see, and you only ever, you don't wear it in public. Right? They give you a little button for your lapel, but this big gold medal thing, and you only suggest they suggest you wear it on Australia Day and Anzac Day. So about three years ago, a cenotaph down there where I live, I thought I'll wear it down there in Wasman in the night time and. Uh, yeah, it's about four in the morning, pitch black. So I put it, put the suit on this, that, the big gold metal. Oh. And then uh, I went down there, and when the sun came up, these two young blokes came up, and I looked at the gold medal, and they both saluted me. <laughs> oh, wow. And said, Well done, sir. <laughs> and I, I raced straight home, and I said to Sally, Sally said, You're home early. I said, I'm home early, early because these two blokes thought I'd won the VC, and I only got <laughs> it for the bloody art. <laughs> that's unreal. I couldn't come. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a great story. But mate, you it is still a very great honour. It's something that not, oh, ma- not many not many Australians can say they've got, mate. So that's that's sensational. Yeah. You you deserve it for your your lifetime of service. But uh so is it 
So is it is it okay if we say you're 81 years old, but you're still walk yeah, yeah. you're still walking every day as fast as you can? Oh yeah, I walk every day for 40 minutes. Yeah, there you go. You keep them fit around the around the Mossman area. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, and it's um, yeah, it's pretty good area to walk. Plenty of trees, plenty of shrubs, and of course, I live in Balmoral. I choose not to walk down Balmoral Beach because it's pretty busy. There's a lot of walkers down there, uh, but I tend to walk privately down uh, Middlehead Road where you walk straight into the Harbour Fortunes. Nice. It's a beautiful area, yes. So. Yeah, it's pretty nice. Yeah, I've lived here 44 years, so it's, uh, I was lucky. It was before Mossman was discovered, and the house only cost me well, that's true, now, 215000 mm. So when people say, how much did you pay? I said, 215000 <laughs> They say something like, you've always been a burglar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I dare say it'd be a bit worth a bit more than that now. Uh, just a little, yeah. <laughs> and you mentioned you're a father. So is it you've got two daughters and 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 two some daughters gran- and, and some grandchildren? And four, four, yeah, and four grandchildren. And are they all being converted into red and green bunny supporters? Oh yeah, big time, big time. Oh yeah, no doubt about where they support. Yeah, they didn't, yeah. didn't have a chance. Well, there's one Ollie Allsop. He goes to Riverview, and he's a halfback. And he's, uh, yeah, he thinks he's the three generations down the track. He's the Adam Reynolds of the future. <laughs> well, well, you never know. Oh, that'll be all right. You mate. never know. We're, lo- we're, looking, yeah. for a, we're looking for a, na- a new half at the moment, so. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> yeah, well, speaking of Adam, yeah, well, I mean, I guess you'd be happy for him uh, securing his future there and everything he's done for our great club, mate. Well, of course I'm happy uh, for Adam. And I'm going to send him a, uh, a letter to that effect and wish him all the best, to be honest. His father used to work for me uh, years ago when Adam, so it was 24 years ago, because he used to tell me um, he had this little son who was six and he's always practising kicking. And, you know, he lived across the road from Red, Red Penable, that was Mark Reynolds. Yep. As soon as Adam came on the scene, I knew who he was. And, uh, yeah, I've always had the greatest admiration. I'm so disappointed that he's leaving. But he's leaving for, you know, to secure his future, and one can understand that. Yeah. What about our chances this year, mate? I reckon we've got a pretty good chance. What about yourself? Well, I actually thought all the time that we we were going to win this year, to be honest. But last weekend, that 50 mil loss uh, took taken the wind out of my sails. I know there were a lot of eight people missing and all that. Look, we'll be down, we'll be in the top four and hopefully it'll be us, not hopefully, but probably against uh, Penrith in the, fire, in the grand final. Yeah, We've got to get past that prelim, don't we, mate? It's been a, we do. three years it in a row and like, we learnt from that. It looks like Melbourne, Storm, Parramatta, South and, um, and Penrith, you know, throw in someone else, who, who knows, yeah. And we see you at the footy quite often, mate. You go to a lot of games. And are you involved with the club now in any capacity? Look, I'm a custodian of the Rabbitohs, which is not a big deal, but there's only a few of us. And they keep us posted on what's happening and all that sort of thing. Mm. Uh, wow. But, you know, with the players and all that, uh, we meet about every couple of months. And it's a nice way to uh, to be involved. Now you've been involved in some great organisations, as you've just spoken on the podcast. How lucky are we to have someone like Blake Solly at the helm of this mighty club? Well, Blake is pretty, uh, pretty smart fellow, isn't he? He's got a really good background. Uh, and he's a decent fellow too. I, I like Blake. You know he's a straight shooter, and you know he's smart. But you don't, you know, 
you don't get better than that. Oh, well, Magic Round is uh, one of his ideas, obviously, from the Super League. So. Oh, was that? I didn't know that. Yeah, oh, that's, that's one of his was. ideas from over the it Super was. League days, and oh, and the game oh, sort oh. of uh, is well, re- reaping the benefits from it. Yeah. 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 And I think yeah. we're in good hands with like Blake and also JD, Jason Demetrio, taking over as coach. He's yeah, a good guy. Yeah. And young Brock. And young Brock. Yeah, Brock's yeah, a great young guy. Good he's character. Great. And he loves us on the show, too. We always see him at the footy, and he's, he's always generous yeah. with his time. But, yeah. mate... Reg Richardson. I, I like the fact that Jason's uh, you know, going to be the coach next year. Fresh face and all that, and uh, he'll be good. 100%. I agree. Yeah, 100%, yeah. So, Reg Richardson, AM, and, custo- <laughs> and custodian of the Rabbitohs. Thanks for joining us on Rabbitohs Radio okay. Podcast. A pleasure to be here. Thanks, okay. legend. Good Thanks, on you. fellas. So, what about that, chaps? You've been wanting to get Reg on for a while, and now I know why. What an absolute bloody legend. A custodian of the Rabbitohs. I've never even heard of that. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's just as, as passionate as they come, and he can go f- as far back as anyone alive at the moment, probably like 81 years of age. His recollection of Clive Churchill and Jack Rayner and Bernie Purcell is phenomenal. Mm. You can remember a, a conversation or, mm. or a bit of a passing comment as he ripped past uh, Rex Mossop. What about that story? Oh, well, he's a national treasure, isn't he, for his lifetime of thoughts. We could have sat here and talked to him for a an hour, or we might have to get him on again to talk about some of his other memories of Legends of the Club. But yeah, what a like I said, he's given a lifetime of service to this club and those causes that he's. We only touched on melanoma and Indigenous health, but he's got a whole range of others that he's raised tons of money for. And I think he said he's just got a way of talking to wealthy people and getting money out of them. And you heard him talk then, and he he's just got that way about him. And you know, the and he's one of his best mates fell into $750 million of hard-earned money and he said, well, how are you going to give it away? He said, well, you're going to do it for me. And he did. And look what he's <laughs> done. Like that that Melanoma Institute. And if, if one day we do find a cure for that dreaded disease, melanoma, that costs so many lives across this country, then our man Reggie, the rabbito, <laughs> could be uh, well, well and truly responsible for that. And make sure you have a look at that episode webpage for the photos of his glasses that he spoke about. Mm. Oh, we'll get some of those art photos up and obviously we'll have a picture of his car which is pretty unique his car too maybe yeah there's going to be some great images and we've got his business card and on that is his Archibald painting and he looks a little bit like Elton John he is those, a bit of those... an Elton John lookalike on his yeah. business card he's given us a few times uh, but yeah he's a legend of the club and I just wanted him to get on and tell his story and that's what Rabbitohs Radio Podcast and the Rabbitohs Podcast Network is all about is telling those thousands of South Sydney stories. Yeah, exactly. And I'm sure you enjoyed that. And just, you introduced him to a friend of ours last week, Adam Madison. And what did Maddo come back and say after speaking to Reg for a little while? Maddo said, you've got to get him on. He is an absolute legend. Mm. Yeah, he was blown away. Having a, just a brief conversation with Reggie for 10 minutes. Mm. So there you go, listeners. If you see Reggie at the football, go up, shake his hand and say, thank you for what you've done for this club, and what you've done for this nation. Indeed. Thank you for that, Reggie. Reggie the Rabbit. Let's go to our first break here on Rabbitohs Radio Podcast. This is Rabbitohs News brought to you by the Juniors Group of Clubs. The Rabbitohs home away from home. The place to play while the bunnies are away. 
And they were away this week, and we did go up and have a play at the Juniors Malabar, and it was a great night, boys. We filled the room. It was a good crowd, and Keith McCraw from the Juniors was pretty happy with us. He thanked us all and said it was a great night. Yeah, fantastic venue to watch the footy. And like you said, Mavo, it was a full house. A lot of locals there, and uh, Bo Falloon and Nath Garlic. Yeah, it was a good roll-up. Real good response from the from the locals up there, and they, they sound like they a couple of them pulled me inside and said we really enjoyed that. You know, like, you know, a bit of footy talk, and obviously hear a bit more about local legend Bo Falloon. And we had a feed there, and it was beautiful. The mean brownie had the centroid bow and the salt and pepper squid. And mm. what was your one? My one was the um, crispy chicken Szechuan. Uh, Szechuan, something like that. Some other name, but it was it was bloody beautiful, and it was packed. Yeah, the Bistro Rouge food is unbelievable and you can use your Dine and Discover vouchers there. So, yeah, great afternoon. It worked out perfectly. The race is finished and it was the 5.30 game, so we had a crowd there, but thanks to everyone who came up there and supported the show. It was a great plenty, venue. Plenty great of giveaways, night. more importantly. Um, yes. We had about uh, you know, 30 or 40 beer vouchers and $20 vouchers we spent anywhere in the juniors group of clubs. Mm-hmm. A few of the former Rabbitoh greats, Rod Maybon, Paul McNicholas, George yeah. Longbottom. Yep. Ross Harrington, they were yes. all there. Yeah, they were all there. Georgie, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they were all there. And, um, you know, the president of Southeastern Seagulls, which is the biggest junior rugby league club in the district now, we're boasting 37 um, junior teams. And they're also very proud that they've got the most female participation. They've got 75 young girls signed up. And it's big for the game. And the good thing about it, there was a lot of South juniors playing in the game. And... More importantly, there was a couple of Southeastern juniors actually playing for the Sharks on the field. Uh, yeah, and the Rabbits, and the Rabbits. Yeah, yeah. which was Tane Milne, Toby Rudolph, and also Moeni Hirodi. He had a good game too. He had a half a break there. He's from the Matraville Tigers. And speaking of the Matto Tigers, I went to the Matraville Sportsman's Lunch on Friday. The guest of Adam Matto from Matto, and that was another great day. What and a legend Matto is! He's a legend. Yeah, Matto. he is. He loves the show too. And that was at the Juniors Maroubra. And that's a brilliant upstairs venue, suitable for all special occasions. They just cater for it perfectly up there. It's a great space. Anyway, as I walked in, I saw my old mate Joe Skibberus, and he's moved up to Queensland now, but he said he listens to the podcast every week, and he loves it because it reminds him of home. We talk about all the places around here. And there was plenty of former Rabbitohs at that function as well, maybe. There was. It was, <laughs> it was full of Rabbitohs royalty. So the great Tucker Coleman was there. Rod Maybon. He gets everywhere, Rod, Roddy, doesn't he? Roddy was out. Scott Wilson, Duncan McRae, Ross Harrington again. But also, I bumped into Bob McMillan, Rabbitoh number 586. We played 50 games for South between 1973 and 1980. Bob also played for Botany United and is looking well. And he told me he's 70 years old now, but unfortunately his health is deteriorating due to head knocks over the years, which is quite you know, common now for a few from that era. So that's quite devastating for Bob. But I asked my dad, Dick Maven, about his memories of Bob. And he said, one day years ago at the Pier Hotel, Bob walked in the pub with his brand new motorbike. And everyone looked at him and said, what are you doing? He goes, it's a brand new bike. I'm not leaving it outside. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that was his memories of that. You mentioned Duncan McRae. Wasn't he a talented sportsman? He He could do just about anything, Duncan. I was good most of his... Younger brother Trent was also a handy footballer, but mate, he could play anything. Basketball. Play for the Waratahs. Play for the Waratahs. Yeah. He played with the Doggies as well, the yeah. Rabbitohs. Yeah, no, um, great player, Dunk. Yeah, and he emceed the event. And at one stage, because Benny Elias spoke and so did Paul Kent, and they were good. And 
then they were calling in all the different who were the first graders were in the room. They went through the, just about the whole room and missed out on me. And I think someone must have tipped Duncan off. So the next time he got back up, I was I happened to be walking past, and he goes, "Oh, and Steve Maven." And I was like, "Oh, hello, everybody!" Like, <laughs> you can't forget Steve Maven. And he gave Rabbitohs Radio podcast a plug too. So Dunk, thank you for that. Well yes, done, bloody legend. And you mentioned Scott Wilson before. Scott is actually the coach of the Maddow A grade. They got a really good side this year, and yeah, he's a good man, Scotty. And what a great player he was. Great young talent. Yep, free. And Roddy Maybon's helping out with that too. So they're giving a bit back to the, the junior clubs. And also at my table was Matty Hutch from the Rabbitohs. Oh, the Rabbitohs and I was sitting yeah. with the Rabbitohs oh, yeah, corporate okay. team and a yeah. good bunch of guys. And we chatted about, you know, working in the Rabbitohs offices and how we're working alongside them. And they said, yeah, boys, whenever you want to come up, have a hit of table tennis and you're welcome up there in the office anytime. And they're a good bunch of people up there and we're starting to build some relationships with them and they're helping us out. We're helping them out. Yeah, good luck to the Maddo Tigers too for the rest of the season and thanks for having me on. Apologies for myself, I had to work. Yep. Brownie was away to you, Maddo, and the, the Matraville Tigers. Yeah, apologies, Maddo. Okay, boys, we're going to do Spotlight on the Pathways brought to you by What If. It's Aussie for travel. Now, the, all the teams had Dubai this week, so it'll be a good opportunity for them to just freshen up a little bit. Maybe some of them got, I think Lachlan Elias went over to New Zealand for a little bit of a holiday. I've seen um, some, just on the social media, I think. Stevie Masters and Jackson Paulo and a few of the boys got themselves up the coast. A couple had head knocks from the week before, so the automatic 10 days off, so that come in real handy. Yeah, Evan Manning yeah, was Evan one Manning of them. Yeah, and we, yeah, his dad was there tonight, Shane, and he said he's going okay, so he might be back next week. The, the try-scoring whiz that signed with the Rabbitohs, young Ev. Yeah, and also in that knock-on effect cup, they're going to play before the first grade up there at Apex Oval, and that's going to be... I think that one's going to be on Foxtel, that one. Mm. So if you want to watch um, right. Blake Taft's return, it's his first game for the season. Oh, it's big. He's training. He got ticked off on Saturday morning, to cleared to play, so he's looking forward to that. Mm. Yeah, no, we're really looking forward to watching Blake return. And uh, another young kid was featured on a, on one of the videos, Mavo. Sire Vallelo. His story was posted by South, and he's a great young guy. I've sort of got to know him from taking some photos and videos of him. I actually shared a video of him on our TikTok. At Mascot Oval that day? At Mascot Oval that day. And it's actually it went viral. A, it went viral. It's had over 129,000 views. It's our greatest TikTok to date. And he's such a lovely, humble young guy and, and very f- uh, thankful f- to me for doing that for him. And I said, mate, I just love the people love seeing you. He's a solid dude. He's got the tats. And he just smiled at me and spun the ball around. And we'll share that on the episode webpage. Because he here. runs hard too. Yeah, he's hard. And, Doesn't he? And we got tipped into him by Johnny Sutton when he came into the studio here. And he's, he did too. We asked him about some of the players in the estuary ball. And he said, mate, have a look at this kid. We looked at some of his YouTube stuff. And he runs the ball hard. And the story was great how he's come down from Charter Towers. Charter Towers. And he's played for the Townsville Blackhawks. And you can imagine for a kid that. He's only a young man and he's away from his family and his mum and dad come down and the Rabbitohs brought him down and gave his dad a jersey and all the family got jerseys and to see them reunited, it's quite an emotional time and he could have a big future, young Asaya. I, I believe so, yeah. I mean, he's coming through with, a, with the likes of Davey Mawali. He's going to learn a lot from um, playing week in, week out with Davey. So, I mean, also a fantastic job by the, the boys at the Rabbitohs there yeah. in the media team. Fantastic. Yeah. Great. Put that one together. I and, enjoyed that. And you mentioned Davey there. He's made the transition from the SG ball up to the flag. So that's a big jump. That's from 18s up to 21s, and he doesn't look out of place. No, definitely so not. So that just says a bit about 
what sort of quality you've got in that young player. So, yeah, his name's a bit hard to pronounce. So first I called him Isaiah, and it's Isaiah, and it's Valelo. But to spell it, it's – you wouldn't be able to spell it if you tried to guess, but it's I-S-A-I-A-H-V-A-I-L-A-L-O. Remember the name. <laughs> Let's chuff off to another break here on Rabbitohs Radio Podcast. Rabbitohs Radio is proudly brought to you by Export Freight Systems. We support Aussie manufacturers. If you're thinking of selling, contact NG Farrah Real Estate and tell them Rabbitohs Radio sent you. We are proudly supported by the Juniors Group of Clubs. Join the Juniors Fitness Centre today for just nineteen ninety-five direct debit. Big boy. We're live, so no swearing, but how good is that? Uh, yeah, that's unbelievable. Uh, I, I think they did it to us at the beginning of the year, so... Be able to come out and do that to them uh, makes the win so much sweeter. Okay, run us through that last play. You had a look up and saw there was a chance. Yeah, I just sort of run as hard as I could and try and uh, get a quick play of the ball. Hope we can work with that. And um, I realised there's no winger out there and we had two players, so uh, the smartest thing to do was pass it. Well done. Thanks, mate. This is Remembering a Rabbitoh, brought to you by Export Freight Systems, with thanks to Brad Ryder. This week it is Dave the Coltrane Taylor. Rabbitoh player number 1074. Born on the 8th of July, 1988, in the town of Rockhampton, Queensland. Well, I've been up there, went up there with the 15s New South Wales team, and never forget it, we went out to Great Keppel Island, and it's, oh, it's amazing out there. A little boat ride out there and sensational. But, yeah, carry on, James. Did you have a game of State of Origin up there, did you, or something? Yeah, it was the Australian, was the Australian Championships, the CHS. I was actually talking to Brent Hill about this at the Meadow Luncheon, and he and he's a scout for the junior teams. And I said, oh, look, I played Australian Schoolboys 15 CHS, but I didn't play Australian Schoolboys Opens. And he said, actually, now, he said, the 15s is more important. He said, because a lot of the 18s, he said, They've already they've already part they've already started leaving school and they've signed with teams and all that. He said the fifteens is where it's at. So I was quite happy with that because telling people I made the fifteens CHS and played in the Australian Championships gave me a bit more. You know, I was quite happy that he told me that. And yeah, that was a great trip. I made this the New South Wales CHS. We went up and played against the Catholics in the Queenslands and all that, and we won. We won the tournament. Like you said, by the time they're eighteen these days, they're. They're in the club systems, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Yeah. And just apologies, Dave Taylor. We're just doing a little remembering a rabbit on Dave Taylor. <laughs> oh, we can go off on tangents. Maver, hang on, mate. This is not, about, this is not about, about you, yeah. mate. <laughs> well, we're, both, we're both big. He's probably a bit bigger than me. <laughs> yeah, well, you're probably f- similar frame. And while, while we're on that subject, the one thing you'll never forget about Dave Taylor is if you ever meet him up close or if you've seen him on the football field, he's a monster. 187 centimetres and weighing in 145 kilos. Wow. He, he was something, something really special. Anyway, his junior football club was Blackwater Crushers. He began there in the under-7s. He would have been the biggest under-7s player <laughs> in, in Queensland, I reckon. Not North Queensland, but just the whole of Queensland. He went to school at St. Brendan's College, Yapoon, and made the Australian schoolboys of 2005. And he also played a bit of rugby union coming through the grades, boys, I believe. I think, you know, I think most, most people did that. Well, that might have been where around. he got a bit of his skill, putting the ball on the toe. Yeah, he's got great hands. Well, he played in the halves, I think, um, coming through the grades when he was young. Big obviously, he was just too big in the end. Like. Big halfback. Oh, he was skillful, mate. Yeah, I he think was. he might have even played 5'8". 
on a couple of occasions mm. for the Rabbitohs or maybe the Titans when he when he went up there. But yeah, very skillful player. Well, anyway, he would have been um, picked up there by the Brisbane Broncos, the might of the Broncos, all those scouts up there, Cyril, Cyril O'Connell, they would have found him. And boys, he debuted June 10, 2006, in a 34 points to 14 loss to the South Sydney Rabbitohs at out there at ANZ Stadium, it was called back then. And I was there, I was really close. Boys, I'll tell you a little quick story about it. Um, anyway, I'd read about him in the papers, you know, this stats on him and how big he was and you know I was kind of looking forward to seeing what he looked like in the flesh and see if he could play on that and I think the McDougal brothers was, was giving it to him because all their origin stars were out so it was a bit of the baby Broncos mm. 17 and anyway he's, he's jumped off the bench and he starts warming up and, and I've started heckling him you know I'm going <laughs> 17 my ass Taylor <laughs> and he turned around and I was just and then I then I said what have you been eating <laughs> anyway he was a bit rattled before he got on there and I think he went decoy three times, made two tackles, and then they pulled him off. I didn't come back on again. <laughs> that was the only minutes he got the whole year in 2006. And and obviously he, he really burst on the scene uh, up there, and and the skill level on him was phenomenal. Yeah, you know, I, I was I was quite pleased. He ended up playing 49 games for the Broncos, and I was quite pleased when we we got him. It was a bit of a it was a bit of a coup to be honest to grab a bloke like Dave Taylor. And he ended up playing 63 first-grade games for the Mighty South Sydney Rabbitohs, 18 tries. And he debuted in a round one loss to the Roosters. I think it was 36 points to 10 under coach Johnny Lang, following the sacking of Jason Taylor on that famous Mad Monday where David Farlongo dropped him, I think. Mm. I think it was at the Foresters was the Hotel. F- was it the Foresters? Yeah. Yeah, in Surrey Hills. He, um, Our mate Beastie was right on the scene. He, was, he reckons he was standing right next to it. Oh, was he? So what's <laughs> the more famous punch, that one or the one Falunga did on Braden? Oh, I don't know. I was after that game too. <laughs> that was, oh, I'd say probably the one on JT, mate. That grabbed some pretty big headlines. Put it this way, you well, think? They both got sacked, didn't they? Yeah. Well, the one, on, the one on Braith was on camera, so people will probably remember that more. Oh, I think that was more Jesus, of a dog man, shot, wasn't it? The what, dog shot, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he didn't drop Brave to his credit. Nah, nah, yeah. nah. So what? He, he had blood pissing out of his mouth. He did. Busted his nose and his mouth all in one go. No, so. Well, speaking of Brave, then he played in that game where the Coltrane set up that magic try. That try. And uh, yeah, we've already spoken about it, but obviously he played a big part in that. And I can also remember, I think it was that. Round five, where he put that grubber in. I spoke about that earlier for Andrew Everingham. There was also round two, our first win. It was the first ever game that GI played fullback for the Rabbitohs. I think he was wearing like jumper number 18 or, or jumper number three, and he went back to fullback and he trampled Moylan. Well, if you remember, Dave Taylor's grubber in that game, it was incredible. It was like a Ben Barber grubber. Kicked it through. The ball was bouncing well over the end, dead goal line. He's dove through the air, grabbed it, and put it in inside an inch inside the dead ball line. He was so... Skillful and athletic. Skillful, yeah. He's mm. unbelievable. He That's amazing. Few, he put a few kicks in for tries. I think there was another one against Canberra as well down mm. in, the, in the nation's capital there. He put this freakish grubber in for someone. His mobility yeah. for a big bloke to get yeah. around the field. and You're not supposed to be that big and be able to do that. No. You no. usually just bash and barge, don't you? So the, the only other bloke that I think was, was almost that big and could do that was you, Brownie, back in oh. your heyday. <laughs> Had a bit of skill about me. Oh, used to love to have the bit, ball in hand. Bit. Yeah. They don't call you Razzle Dazzle Brown out at Penrith for nothing, mate. Well, you get them names from playing a bit of footy, a Having bit of a backyard footy, and that's what he did. Dave Taylor he had a crack, mm. didn't he? Mm. He wasn't that um, that sort of hit up front rower, just 
you know, north and south all day. <laughs> he wanted to play a bit of footy every time he got it, you know. He was like that uh, halfback trapped in a front rower's body. Anyway, he, he left the mighty South Sydney Rabbitohs at the end of 2012. And he moved up to the Gold Coast Titans and got to play in a pretty half-decent pack there, boys. Luke Bailey, he was um, one of their first signings at the Gold Coast, I think. Ash Harrison, former Rabbitoh, Nate Miles. And the great man himself, Bo Falloon. Bo Falloon, yeah. yeah. Played a lot of football with Bo Falloon. Mm. I think Bo spoke about how he was just a serial sweater. Um, you know, it didn't matter what was happening. He was always paranoid. That, Am I sweating heaps? Or Is my back of my shirt wet? And I think he said he was at his wedding and he said, oh, am I sweating? He said, it was like he's been in the bath. Just got out of the bath. <laughs> and we've all got a mate as a serial sweater. Shout yeah. out to you, Ronnie Sigsworth. Ger- Jezza Simons. Oh, Gerald Simons, Ger- a heavy sweater. Oh, oh. Jezza. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, at the Gold Coast Titans, he played 58 first grade games, scoring 15 tries. He had a fair career up there. Then he decided to pop over to France and play for... Catalan's Dragons, where he played 26 games there. And then he came back to the Canberra Raiders back in the NRL. Played 11 games there, 2007-9. And he had a bit of rep on us, boys. Played for Prime Minister's 13 there in 2010. Um, he made the NRL All-Stars while he was at the Rabbitohs in 2011 and 12. And played State of Origin, boys. Played eight games State of Origin for the... For the Maroons, and yeah, he legend. also played a Test match in 2012. So he's a fitting remembering a Rabbitoh boys. Yeah, no, a great player, and like we just spoke about throughout his career, he was very skillful. And with all the clubs that he went to, he he played a lot of games. Like he was very consistent in, in his games, and um, yeah. Once he wound up, he was hard to stop, wasn't he? Definitely a great player. I got one other memory of him. He was he's living. Um, Obviously, when he was playing for the Rabbitohs, he, he, he took up a bit of surfing. Anyway, it was like a, <laughs> it was like four hundred walnuts sitting in a sock. You know what I mean? There, there was abs- <laughs> there were, there was absolutely no room left in this wetsuit. I tell you. How does he stand up on a board? Man, he wasn't too bad. He, yeah. Yeah, only how skillful the bloke was. He actually wasn't a bad surfer. But, do man, but I tell you what, he's a sight in a wetsuit. <laughs> so, what size board would he have to ride, chaps? A big one. Oh, what? <laughs> a oh, long yeah. board. So well, a mal? Well, well, I go on liters. I, I ride around that sort of 28 to 30 liters. I reckon he'd be up at the 60 liter mark. So yeah. it goes on the liters. It doesn't go on the on the well, height of the board? It, well, you can go yeah. on height and you yeah. don't get it You know, you know, don't get it thick enough. You sort of, he'd be looking for something thick, a little bit wider. Mm. The length wouldn't be too much of a problem for him. It'd just be more about something that's going to float him Yeah. and stuff like that, you know? And then he yeah. retired in 2019. But like you said, chaps... A fitting remembering a Rabbitoh. Dave, the Coltrane, Taylor. We'll chuff off to another break here on Rabbitohs Radio Podcast. All I want to do is stand out on the street with you. All I want to do is stand out on the street with you. <laughs> IFL won't accept it. Okay, you touch anybody above the shoulders, you, you're in trouble. Rugby Union made a huge change two years ago. Anything above the shoulders, you're probably in the sin bin in Rugby Union, and you're probably doing two and three weeks. Well, when are we going to get the message in our game? What, when we get li- liable cases against us in the next 10 years, it's case after case because the game did nothing about, about um, reducing the number of head knocks? Is that what we're going to do? We're going to drive more parents away from letting their kids play because in, in our game it's just it's OK to knock somebody out with a head high or attack their head? 
Well, it's a poor excuse. Okay, we've got to, we've got to come to the reality of the situation. Peter's at that point and he's 100% right. It's going to take some... Um, no, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> the players will change their behaviour that quickly. It doesn't matter. NRL News brought to you by NG Farrell Real Estate. Now, boys, uh, there's been some new rules and there's been a crackdown on it over the last four games. There's been 10 Simbins. What are your thoughts on that? Well, you just heard Wayne Bennett there. He's defending it. They asked him in the press conference. and Come he out said, very strongly, mate. Yeah, and he said, well, look, okay, yeah, there's been 10 Simbins and it's people are jumping up and down about it, the coaches and the players. But he said, and I'll quote, head high tackles is not in the best interest of the game, and he's right. So if this means that it's going to protect the head and neck, like you said, they don't do it in those other codes, mm. then it's got to be a good thing. Because and he mentioned AFL. And rugby union. And rugby union. They mm. don't do it. And it's got to be a change in mentality. And and look, I just mentioned before, Bobby McMillan's suffering from it. We know that a few former Rabbitohs and players are suffering from this dreadful thing where head injuries weren't assessed and weren't managed well, like they should be. So if it means that they're going to protect the head and neck, then so be it. And well, well, the last thing we want is litigation, and Wayne spoke about that in the press conference. Mm. It gets real ugly there. It's a big drain on the on the game, and like quite possibly you could lose the game. You know, well it goes back to, to come, which is frightening to think. You know, we love this game rugby league. We don't want we don't want to go on anywhere, boys. Well, it goes back to when the doctor uh, Bennett Amalo, I think his name is, the, uh, the Nigerian doctor, first discovered. CTE, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, I think it said. And at the time in American football, they were going, oh, you're, you're making the game soft and we, we don't want this. Go away, go away. And they didn't want to face up to the fact that, yes, it is real and yes, it needs to be dealt with. And there's still maybe a little bit of that. Until people start taking it seriously, then, you know, we need to take a generational change so that we protect players' welfare. Well, a couple of rookies in the NFL called quits on their career very early on, didn't they? Because they read about this HIA business and, and the effect it has on their mm. their brains later in life and mm. and they pulled the pin on their careers at an early age. So, mm. so that's a big call. something that you've got to take very serious. Mm. So there is an example though, Tyson Gamble. That one was a bit ridiculous. So they've got to try and find the right balance. balance and I think yeah. Gordon Tallis said, accidents happen. Tyson Gamble's tackle was not a sin bin. I've hit a mozzie harder on my leg. That's not a sin bin offence. <laughs> so, look, you're still going to get those people saying that. But, look, if there was contact from Tyson Gamble to the head, off he goes. And as long as once people start realising that's what's going to happen, even if it is something a bit, you know, under, well, well, underwhelming. What Wayne was that's that what Wayne there, said. If there is anyone going off for a HIA yeah. and it's well, – even if it's accidental contact, the, the player that um, – should go. Hand it out. Should go for 10 as well. 10 minutes. Goodbye. That's right. Yeah. See yeah. you later. See you later. Yeah. Yeah. That's and right. And I'll tell you what. And he said, you know, once you start finding players and suspending them, they will stop doing it real quick. They mm. only know the strong hand of the law, and that is the officials that we got in our game. Well, Wayne's even noticed a few incidents over the last few weeks with players. Changing their style. Changing their style and thinking about yeah. not doing it when they've got away with it the week before. And you heard him say that. And Wayne said he gave the team a pep talk before they went out and said, you know what's going to happen. Stay away from the head. Unfortunately, Jaden Sewer, that's just his style, and he may have to modify his style. Mm, but he still put on a couple of big shots, didn't he? And like, as long as you put him into the body, sweet. Get the arm away from the body, but... <laughs> he did put the a head. couple of big shots on Get it away night. from the head. No, the arm away from the body. Oh, okay. Because that's yeah. 
That counts. Shoulder charge. And then it's not a shoulder charge. Yeah, well, that's where his well, one's going to come in. He could be up for a, uh, some sort of scrutiny there. Well, it's going to get looked at because I look. think his was more of a shoulder charge rather than – I mean, he, he got him around the head as well. But yeah, mm-hmm. Contact of the head with the he shoulder. He sort of had it next to him instead of having it up. Yeah, that's right. Well, I, like, I think his arm might have come away a little bit. Mm-hmm. And whether it's enough, I don't know how many carry points, carryover points he's got on, but this may be – We are recording here straight after the game Saturday night, so we haven't – had a great look at the replays. We haven't even seen that Roosters Cowboys game. That's still going, by the way. Yeah. So. What is the score let's then? Let's do a score. They, they were uh, up ten nil before, uh, so it's, it's 20, 22-16. 22-16. Oh, it's all over. Let's Roos- go. The, the Roosters have had five tries to three and only kicked one goal. So the Cowboys are just in it. They're only by a, the fact that uh, Sam Walker's only kicked one goal. Well, they're only a converted try out of it. So let's hope by the time the show's over, we can report that there's been an upset. That's magic round. A magic upset. Twenty-three. 22 Cowboys with a Valentine Holmes field goal, hopefully. Yeah. But in saying that, you've got to give credit where it's due. And the Roosters have been gallant with all their injuries. Good depth. Yeah, they've Mm. got some long-term injuries, season-ending. And, you know, last week's performance against Parramatta, uh, I'd hate to say it, but it was a really good performance from the Roosters. Well, it has, and it just goes to show what incredible depth they have got. I was trying to bag a few of our Roosters mates Showing them the hooker they had. They didn't even have his photo in the thing. <laughs> right? That's how bad they're going. And he had a blinder. Their yeah. fourth string hooker mm. is had a blinder. No. So, a twin brother in the club too. There's two of them. The Marshkies brothers. As much as we, they're our evil empire, uh, we've got to give credit where it's due and he's doing great things. I'm not things. giving him any credit. They I are, know. They are grubs. <laughs> I'll tell you that here right now. So look. Put it, that on record. They are grubs. They are. So look, this competition's coming down to Four teams, as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Roosters have got to still be one of them. Mm. Us, the Storm, and the team we play next week, the Panthers. So let's move on to the preview of this blockbuster clash. We get Latrell back for the Panthers game, Sunday the 23rd of May, 2 p.m. at Apex Oval Dubbo. In saying that, we won three out of four without Latrell. Yeah, that's a good effort, yeah. Good good point, Brandon. I thought that was a, a positive. It was. To, to come away with three wins. Well, we're 8-2. and two. They're 9-0 and oh with a game in hand. They've got to play tomorrow afternoon on the Magic Round. So by then they could be 10 and blot. But, um, I mean, They who, are the benchmark. Knows? They're the benchmark oh, of the competition. they've been fantastic. And they're, they're deserved uh, premiership favourites. There's no doubt about that, along with Melbourne Storm. Parramatta's there and about. But I, think, I reckon we can beat Parramatta. That's for sure at the moment. But we continue to build and just get ourselves in that top four by the end of the year. And you never know with injuries and form, and you know if we can, we can hit a bit of form. Right? Was I too quick to put Who the pen, pen through power because they actually beat the Chooks last week? If I, was no, I a bit too no, quick? No, can, no. Are you going to? Will you put them in? Like, make it a, a, this comp's only out of five teams, or are you willing to discount them? Well, I've, I think I've, I've think, only got I four think, teams left in it. I think that the injury toll will be fa- very effective uh, for the Roosters. At the back end of the yeah, season, yeah, I'll put me. They can't win it. The yeah, Roosters. while they're very in my, in gallant, my opinion. while they're very gallant, uh, now I think it'll come back to bite them on the ass. Well, let's. Later the Panthers in the have got to get through Origin yet. They're, yeah, they're gonna, they're gonna, yeah, true. Their halves are definitely playing Origin. I think right now, mm. Luai and um, Cleary, mm. they're oh, they're killing them. They might even have Liam Martin uh, when it's all said and done. I say, yo, Kirk Cape will be up there playing for Queensland, Queensland yeah. last year. So they're gonna they're gonna feel a few effects here, boys and. So yeah, some teams don't come out of origin, you know, yep. especially a young team like that. It takes them a while to, to get back on track again. So let's go to this clash. And if you haven't booked to go down to Dubbo, 
have a look at what if it's Aussie for travel and book some stuff down there. But okay, so we're getting Trell back. Our man, the superstar Trell, he's coming back, and so that'll force a that'll put Cody back into the halves. Maybe Benji back onto the bench, and the source is in contention. If he's fit, you think he'd have to be there. And Cameron Murray was running the water without a moon boot on up at Brisbane. And he looked all right. He looked happy. And I don't know if he's ready to come back, but he wouldn't be far off. Mm, I don't think he'd be too far away. And, you know, do you risk him bringing him back a week early or two weeks early? I'd probably say not. Uh, you you want him fit. Uh, 100% He's too, he's too valuable. We need exactly. him um, at the back end of the year. Um fit and healthy and syndesmosis and injury, you don't want to rush it because yeah. in the end you might have to have surgery and you have for 12 weeks. Mm. So he's avoided surgery. If he does it again, comes back a little early, it, it's too risky. You know, he, he's the future of our club. We don't want to risk this bloke in any way and have chronic ankle injuries going forward. And the good thing about playing next Sunday, where we've got an extra day on the Panthers, they won't be playing till tomorrow afternoon. We'll be already home by then. Yep. They'll be home from Brisbane. Uh, they probably won't get home the Monday afternoon. So we'll get a little bit of extra recovery. And, yeah, really looking forward to that clash down there at Dubbo. It's our first day game of the year. Mm. Two o'clock on a Sunday. It's a bit of the old traditional time back when yeah. everyone used to play. That's that time, two, three o'clock on the Sunday. So be good to see the bunnies down there. And hopefully it's a nice sunny day. And I know there's some fans going down. One of the fans I've seen... Noel Lachini and a few of the borough up there tonight and one of the ladies come over to me and said, he's going to Dubbo, are you doing anything? We said, no, we're not. We've got we've got a few things happening and we've only planned a few shows. The but great man Les Davidson will be there. He will, Bundy. Yeah, Bundy's going down. Mm. Uh, he's from down that way. Yep. yep. Dubbo and I think he's doing a few on-field interviews down there. So it'll be great to see him down there. Hopefully we can come back with the two points, boys. And what I did say to the lady from the borough is that our next show we're doing will be when we take on the Eels in round 12, and that'll be another 5.30 game on a Saturday. So she said, yes, all right, well, we'll come over from the borough. We'll come up to the members' deck at Stadium Australia. So you can look forward to that one. And that's going to be another big game. I've already put the pen for them, and they, hopefully that doesn't come back to bite us. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, well... Yeah, the top four. What a show they did this week. And I really enjoyed it because it was a great topic. They talked about the top four things you love about your job. So, yeah, I was listening to it. And to hear Jeremy talk about his favorite parts of his job, and he loves his job, he's got a great job, and he's uniquely placed. He gets to stand in the middle when the Rabbitohs run onto the field. And he gets, you've heard him say it on the podcast, you know, get on your feet. And he said that that just gives him chills being able to experience that. Mm. And they don't forget how lucky they are to be in that position, to be a Rabideau supporter, but to be in the middle like that. And then Elo came in and he starts the team song when they sing after mm. the yeah. after a win. And, you know, they, they're both, they all love their jobs and so does Shannon. He gets to work closely with the club. And, and all the sponsors, that, he said he enjoys yeah, all that. You know? He enjoys working with the sponsors and bringing joy to them. And they don't take it for granted that they're, in this privileged position to work for this mighty club and neither do we. I actually listened to it on the way home from the Hunter Valley. I was driving home today and uh, I love the part where Ello took us into the, the dressing room, not after the game but before the game, the emotions that you're going through and so all players are different. Some are loud, some are quiet, just yeah. trying to get onto their job, thinking about their job and what they're going to do when they get out there but it's just a, 
an amazing memory to take you back. And, uh, yeah, it was just unbelievable. And the natural yep. talents they talked about. Mentioned all the all the big natural talents, David Pucci and the likes. And, mm. um, yeah, it was fantastic. Tricky family. Trindle. Who, natural talents. Who, who's, the, who's the best natural talent you played with, Granny? Oh, natural talent, mate. Um, Sorry to put you on the spot, mate. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I've got a couple. I, the first two that come to mind, Philip Blake, and he could do stuff for the football that people just aren't supposed to do. The other one's Terry Lamb, Bar. He, I got to play with him at, towards the end of his career, but he would just go out there and just carve him up. Mm. And he wasn't a big guy, just tough as nails and all the skill in the world, and just mm. just had that will to win. You mm. McGrady was a special talent. You almost he oh, was great. Too. Yeah, yeah, he was great and just casual, and there was nothing worried him. I mean, he, that Rothman medal he won in '91, he didn't even go to the event, <laughs> <laughs> and he ended up Rushed winning. It. Yeah, but uh, probably one of the most gifted and, and natural, talented players that I play with probably be Greg Alexander. I'd say Randy. He was just a a freak, great talent, and once again just done things with ease, uh, led you around the park, and you know you could get you out of trouble with a little chip and chase, similar to Phil Blake. Just great players. Well, I played with a bloke at Mirabal Lions. His name was Grant Colbron. And he was like a you know, schoolboy star and all that. I thought he was going to go on to something really special. But he just knees. Had a knee operation after knee operation. He was a freak. He, he would average eight or nine tries a match. Mm. Unstoppable. Just a big, strong, powerful, fast bloke. Mm. And and another one, uh, just going back to that, uh, we spoke about him earlier, Scott Wilson. I thought he was a, a gifted player and... Just a, a talent. Great, great episode from the boys. Top four podcast. Well done, guys. Yeah. That's it, boys. Don't forget, everybody, to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Take us away, Maroon. Thanks for listening to Rabbitohs Radio Podcast. Proudly presented by What If, official travel and pathways partner of the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Support the club and visit whatif.com forward slash Rabbitohs to book your next trip. Don't forget to use the code Rabbitohs15 to get 15% off selected hotels. Conditions apply. What if it's Aussie for travel?